Hey there, everyone. This is Dan Fagello with Tech Emergence, where we interview investors, entrepreneurs, and researchers in the domain of emerging technology. We focus a lot on virtual reality, augmented reality, and brain-machine interface. And in the AR space, we've talked about a lot of blue-collar applications. We talked a little bit from the research perspective, the business perspective. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Mr. Monty Kushnir on the line with me right now. He is CEO of Infinity AR, and we're going to be speaking today about not only the current limitations of augmented reality technologies and how we're trying to overcome them, but how it might break itself into the mainstream AR, that is, uh, in the coming five to ten years. Mr. Monty, how are you today, brother? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be able to have you on. I know before we started rolling here, um, we were speaking a little bit to sort of what, what some of the current limitations are of augmented reality technologies. And, and you had spoken a good deal to uh, the, the limitations in depth perception and understanding both mirrors and shadows. Um, maybe speak a little bit to where we are today in augmented reality and the hurdles that we have coming up to really kind of make it work. Yeah, sure. So augmented reality is about, you know, you, you need three milestones. You need a good display, like glasses, whether they are virtual reality glasses or augmented reality like the Epson or Guzik or Lumos glasses. You need 3D content. Nearly all the content is 3D ready. But then you need those glasses to really have a good perception of the real physical world around them. Those glasses need to know in every millisecond where are, where are they positioned and oriented within that room. And we need a truly new user interface that will allow us to interact with digital 3D content with our hands. This is new user interface. Now, add to that that we would uh, like uh, to have it mounted to our glasses, which means we don't have a lot of battery, and we want it also to work indoor and outdoor and allow us to interact face to face. And if you look at the market today, in order to build this 3D understanding, usually people are using active sensors like uh, Kinect or Soft Kinetic that in most cases will drain your battery after 10 minutes, will not work outdoor due to the fact that you have infrared coming out of the sun, and will cause you a lot of problems by blinding each other when you are playing face to face. And therefore, Infinity is trying to uh, handle these uh, challenges by using passive sensors, which means regular 2D cameras. Yep. And going back to the old idea of uh, stereoscopic vision, same as we are humans uh, doing, and from two very simple VGA cameras, understand the environment, understand light source, reflection, mirrors, allow us to uh, interact with those 3D digital uh, virtual objects with our hands and allow us to work indoor and outdoor and face-to-face. So that's what we are doing. Got it. And in terms of what the current limitations are of, let's say, most aug augmented reality uh, uh, displays. So we're just talking about the clear screen on somebody's face, for example. Um, in emphasis of your work now, as well as what some other companies are up to, and I know there's a lot of folks that are working on kind of sensing in three dimensions, um, there's an issue around kind of being able to perceive depth and understand shadow and understand light and things along those lines. Um, I've seen I've seen interesting uh, videos with companies that are working on 
being able to, let's say, put a augmented piece of furniture somewhere in your living room, and you can move it around in the different areas of your floor, and it can sort of detect where the floor is, and it can place it behind objects so you can't see it behind certain objects or in front of objects so it displays in front. So that's like, well, that's one application for sort of um, you know placing a machinery equipment or, or furniture or something like that and kind of uh, portraying that into the real world. Where else is 3D and depth perception and understanding of light and shadows, where else does that play an important role in augmented reality? Where else are the applications there? Okay, so given the fact that we are all living in a 3D world, we are so used that everything behaves according to the law of physics, right? So if I'm now adding something to the table in front of me, some physical object, I expect the shadow to look the same as the other object that's standing nearby, okay? If I will now throw an object and it falls behind my table, I do not expect to see it, right? And if something, I will push it on the table, I expect it to fall when you reach at the end. If I'm now, you know, uh, reaching out to my glasses that are on the table, I expect my hand to uh, cover the glasses so I won't see them, right? What happened currently in augmented reality scenarios, due to the fact that we don't have a very good online understanding of the physical environment, yeah. due to the fact that we do not uh, take any consideration of light source reflection, and that we do not know how to measure the distance between our eyes to our hands, and you know, uh, draw the scene accordingly. Okay, so if my hand is now behind a virtual object, I don't want to see my hand. Yes, but yes, if yes. my yes. hand is in front of it, I want to mask this virtual object. Now, till we will not be able to do it in a very uh, detailed and accurate way, okay? And without any delay, meaning less than 15 milliseconds delay, nobody will adopt the augmented reality world because it's still very awkward. Okay, feel yep. uh, maybe if you are a technician and your boss instructs you to look at an engine and test it with those augmented reality glasses, you will do that. But uh, a common consumer that just wants this uh, application for gaming will not adopt it till the industry will solve those issues. Got it. Yeah, no, and, and I, I agree. I think that's important to make note of. That, that's sort of, that's part of the immersiveness and seamlessness, I suppose, right? If it's if it ends up being clunky and displaying in front or behind things incorrectly because of that depth perception, and it, you know, AR is a, ver is a visual tech. I mean, if, if, uh, if it if it doesn't really work visually in terms of depth, it sounds like from your perspective, that's going to keep the the day to day man from being able to use that in in work life, in gaming, etc. I totally agree. And, and what time. is happening? You know, the current solutions in the market don't think about uh, the challenges of augmented reality. In that sense, let's take for example all the depth sensors. Okay, the depth sensors are trying to measure depth to every pixel. Uh, 60 frames per second, okay? Consuming a lot of power and measuring the distance to the end of my hand and to the, I don't know, the wall that is five meters away from me in the same, you know, uh, trying to do it in the same power, okay? But that's wrong. As a human, the truth is we cannot understand depth more than five meters, okay? We can't because it's only perception. But the truth is the distance between our eyes is not long enough, enough for us to detect it. So what we are doing in Infinity, we are focusing on understanding 
uh, depth up till a meter or a meter and a half where you can really detect the different differences. From meter and a half and four meters, we don't need to be as accurate. You know, millimeter here and there is not that important. You will not feel it as a user. And behind four meters, I can do whatever I want because for you as a person, you will not feel it. You don't know to tell the difference. Yes. Now, if you build your engine smart enough, not only that the uh, what the user is expecting is really there, you are saving so much computing power that allows you to work for hours. That's uh, the idea. Okay, got it. Yeah, and, and I know that uh, that's another, and you'd probably agree here, another big hindrance to augmented reality sort of hitting the mainstream, at least as of now, from what I've heard from the research perspective, is that ultimately these these engines that are going to process this information and be able to overlay things correctly and detect depth and run multiple cameras are going to consume more energy than you can hold on your head without having a really clunky and weird-looking machine. Uh, exactly. You know, the moment you need to fire photons in order to measure uh, the time it takes the light to come back to you or to track the change in the pattern light, the moment you need to fire photons, you will consume a lot of power. So we believe that those uh, sensors should be passive, should be low power consumption, but more than that, the computation of power required for the algorithm is crucial. Because if I will need, I don't know, uh, to occupy the CPU for 10 seconds every time I need to run my algorithm, it will not hold. So what we are trying to do in Infinity is not only to use passive sensor, but also to make sure that the algorithm is extremely uh, efficient, so we will not, you know, drain your CPU. Got it. Okay. Uh, and, and I imagine the construction of software to, to do that job correctly and to, to be able to, um, you know, be, be relatively, uh, I don't know, limited in terms of how much power it consumes is sort of a problem in and of itself. It's different to deliver the specific function in the software than it is to um, make sure that the software functions without absolutely, you know, decimating your battery power. That's it's, its own kind of consideration, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, this is one, you know, maybe interesting fact that you should know. Uh, Israel is very famous for its computer vision uh, development, mainly in the military space. So we have a lot of uh, drones navigating based on computer vision. And as you can know, I don't know if our audience are aware of that. Usually military uh, machines use extremely old CPU as they need to be extremely rigid. Okay, so if you look at the drone today, you will find out that he is using Pentium 5 or 586, something like that. Yep. Like 10 years old. And so uh, the people that we have here in Israel are very used to work on a very limited CPU power. And therefore, when you give them a CPU of an Android or of, I don't know, uh, Samsung Galaxy S5, they are so happy to work with yeah. them. And, uh, <laughs> They're like, thank goodness, <laughs> at last. Yeah, yeah, geez. Um, so, and that sort of takes us a little bit into our next question as well. Um, we spoke a bit here about some of the current limit limitations of AR 
uh, both technically in terms of the actual you know hardware software and then also the the hindrances to adoption in terms of adoption you know in the coming five to ten years I know you guys are working on applications in gaming you're working on applications in sort of blue collar and and uh, you know industrial work and and there's a lot of clearly there's a lot of applications to an open software um, sort of like yours in terms of where you think augmented reality will make a break into the mainstream in the coming five to ten years, do you think it'll be in gaming? Do you think it'll be in blue-collar work, as we're seeing so much of? Do you think it'll be somewhere else, personal productivity? Where where do you finally see AR making it into day-to-day -day life? I think the first one to adopt them will be companies who are willing to pay a lot of money in order to make sure that no mistakes are being carried out. For example, if I have a technician that is working on assembling uh, an engine for an airplane, I want to make sure that he is doing no mistakes. And for that matter, you know, paying additional uh, $2,000, $3,000 of worth of equipment like the glasses and investing in building the right software that will track the engine and the movements of the uh, technician will not bother me as long as I know that he's doing the right procedure. Right? So yep. I'm sure augmented reality will start there. Uh, okay, so you think, you think I, that'll be the strongest initial use case for AR really kind of making it into the day-to-day -day world? Yeah, uh, I'm sure. And then, then we will, when we will feel comfortable with that, I think it's, uh, we will see medical applications, you know, think about uh, operation room, okay? Yep. When you have the surgeon, uh, in a long surgeon, in, in a long operation, usually the surgeon spends something like 20 to 30 percent of his time not operating, but rather looking at the computer, taking the data. That yeah. Think about him just sending uh, over the patient, get all the information he needs. He can control the flow of information by his hand, so we don't need to wash it all the time, right? And so he can save up to. 20, 25% of the operation time. So I think it will be there. And as for gaming, I think we will start to see gaming applications that are embedded on the physical reality first through uh, what we call virtual, uh, virtual reality head-mounted displays like Oculus. We will mount to the Oculus two stereoscopic cameras. We get a good sense of the physical world and start playing over there. And once the feature display will be good enough and the delay uh, will be reduced significantly, then we will move to casual gaming or maybe, you know, box gaming like Monopoly and uh, chess and so on. And then once again, when we'll be ready, I, I guess in four to five years from today, uh, first shooter gaming and strategy gaming will take, you know, take control. But yeah, we need to remember gaming is the most uh, demanding uh, part of our industry. Yeah, we yeah, no, it, not, uh, right. We not endure any delays. We not. Yes, no, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. If you're playing real time and you have to win, of course, of course, you know that's that sort of forces the technology to the next level. And Oculus is a great example thereof. Of course, the the ramifications go beyond you know, leveling up your orc mage, but, um, you know, but that's sort of what's going to push the tech forward because there's a lot of people with wallets that are into that kind of thing. So um, 
in terms of a well before we go into AR for gaming, which will be my last question here as we sort of wrap the interview. Um, in terms of medical applications, I knew you talked about sort of the the heavy equipment and and that um, classic kind of blue collar augmented uh, application that that seems to in general be the trajectory of this domain in terms of you know B two B application. Um, who do you see doing good work here in medical? What are companies or technologies that are sort of moving forward in that department? A lot of the time, you know, we get great ideas for other people to Google or look up, and I'm sure the folks at home are interested in the in the people that are really moving medical forward in AR. Who do you think is kind of good at doing a good job there? Well, I'm not sure I'm, I have enough perspective on this specific domain. I can tell you that uh, what we currently see are uh, the giant of the industry trying to understand, you know, all of them have machines that can scan your body and generate good 3D understanding of different issues. And all of them are now trying to see what they can do with this 3D data and uh, checking different scenarios. Uh, some of them are for teaching, teaching, some of them are for training and preparing for the, for the operation. Uh, but I cannot name a specific uh, company, company per se. Okay, but you do believe that medical, in addition to the classic sort of, you know, working on the jet engine, that medical will be a domain where AR will have a strong forward kind of movement in the professional world in the coming five to ten years. It's right up there for you in terms of real, tangible mainstreaming of AR. Yes, it's so clear that... Got it, okay, fantastic. At an, at an MRI, but in real 3D, that you can control the model moving, see different slices. It's like a new way for the uh, doctor to understand the, the, the Big time. 3D model of the patient. Yeah, and, and uh, you know I've I've heard it I've heard it said like this, and I think it's pretty interesting. I've heard I've heard people say, um, you know, augmented reality is going to be really it's it's good because it can display a checklist, it can overlay important information, and help people work on really expensive or important equipment. And that's in sort of the jet engine example. But when you think about it, you know, wouldn't it be great? Isn't isn't the equipment of the human body, you know, somebody going in for surgery, brain surgery, heart surgery, whatever it might be, isn't that sort of important equipment as well? And it does make a good argument. You can see how a lot of the, the same technological developments, the same capabilities, at least on some level, would facilitate work in both. So um, it's interesting to see that you see the... Uh, the analogy there and see both of those as important domains of moving forward. Um, when I hear gaming, uh, Monty, for the most part, I think virtual reality. I think Oculus Rift. I think, you know, the shoot 'em games and all that kind of stuff. How do you see augmented reality playing a role in gaming? You and I had talked about an example where two people are looking through clear glasses and they're moving, you know, and they're able to play chess on, on a flat surface. Um, you know, on a non-existent chessboard in, in augmented reality, but on a real surface, where do you see gaming and AR actually integrating and moving forward? I always think virtual, but I'm interested in your thoughts. Okay, you know, this infinity was established because, you know, I was playing chess with my little boy, and then his neighbor came in, and I, you know, invited him for some PlayStation game, okay? Yep. So the boy just looked at me, looked at his neighbor, ditched me, and went to play uh, on the PlayStation, and I was looking at those two little men uh, standing one near each other and stand one in front of each other and playing, you know, in front of the screen, and I thought to myself, you know, I got my first Atari 35 years ago, and I was playing the same way, right? Something is extremely wrong here. How can we move the 
gaining experience to what it should be interaction between humans, right? Yeah. Screen in between. So that's how Infinity AR started. Now I think uh, virtual reality is a step towards augmented reality. When I am disconnected from the world, okay, that means I cannot move, I cannot run, I cannot, I need to sit somewhere, right? Yep. Because as I am disconnected from the world, I can stumble on, you know, hit a table, I don't know, fall over a chair. But think about me putting uh, glasses on my uh, eyes, and then the system understands the room around me and start to create a holodeck, right? Right? Yep. Around me. So overlaying, uh, I don't know, think about car racing, a uh, Mario Kart kind of a game, but instead of me and my friend looking at the TV, he is standing in front of me and the cart is running across the room, right? Uh, moving on top of the sofa, under the table, and doing stuff like that. Think about me and my little boy playing chess, once again, fronting each other, but instead of having the regular chess pieces, he will use the Harry Potter chess set, and I will use my StarCraft chess. And suddenly, when I will move my queen, it will create a very enthusiastic, you know, video game-like uh, attack on his king, and suddenly everything becomes so much better and, and excited. Got it. So, so the applications for you would be applications where gaming would uh, take a place in the real world without the need for you know equipment or pieces or whatever, and, and facilitating um, an interaction of gaming, the fun of gaming, without the screen in between people. And you're of the belief, it sounds like, that that kind of gaming will have will have a strong appeal and will be able to actually kind of take root and 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 take off. Um, as opposed to the screen staring or or Oculus Rift, you know, VR kind of lost in the VR world style of gaming, that there will be a, a faction of people interested in gaming in the real world as well. Yeah, you know, if you ask me as a father to three kids what type of games I would like my kids to play, I truly would like them to play Monopoly and interact and generate human interaction, right? Yep. But guess what? Uh, playing uh, play, Sony PlayStation or Xbox is much more exciting. But if we can now have a mon you know, virtual monopoly board, okay, that we are all sharing and seeing, then real city will emerge on my terrible and people will truly walk on the streets of New York and then I will buy stuff and when his image, his avatar will go to jail, he will enter a real jail, 3D jail. Think how, you know, uh, immersive this experience can be. Yeah, that's Not wild. Mention, you know, not to mention playing uh, strategy games like uh, Clash of Clans or uh, whatever. That's that's absolutely insane. Sheesh. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I can I, and I can imagine as well as a parent, you know, sort of. I guess every parent's nightmare is that their kid is going to spend eight hours a day with a controller in his hand, staring at a TV as well, right? So there's there's that motivation too that you want that real activity. You want some semblance of learning, maybe even moving about, as opposed to you know couch. Exactly. I, I you know for me the, the the trigger for this startup was me looking at those two six years old, okay, playing. Uh, I don't remember what kind of a game it was, but not interacting with each other, but rather just hitting 
virtual world into the into the TV screen, right? Yeah. Uh, let's bring them back together around the table. Let them interact. And by the way, even if you play a strategy game of whatever type, once against each other, it's totally different when you sit in front of each other. You do the fact that you have different glasses. Everyone, you know, each of you can see a different perspective of the game. Okay. And, and but it's still very cool, right? You sit in front of each other, you interact, you move stuff around. It. It's so much better than just sitting in front of the TV holding the remote. Indeed. Okay, I can see that dynamic as well. Something to take into consideration for the AR folks out there, maybe the people moving into the gaming domain or you know, games to look forward to in the coming five to ten years, so to speak. So, Monty, I appreciate you being able to take the time here for the interview and delve into some of your thoughts about the trajectory of this industry and the limitations we have to overcome. If people want to see the research you're up to and, and sort of uh, where you're applying technology in, in AR, um, where would they go to learn more about you? So you can visit our uh, website at infinityar.com, but you are more than welcome to visit us in the coming CES. We will be in the Augmented Reality Pavilion showcasing our technology where you can experience uh, the true digital world overlaid on your physical world. Got it. Very cool. Okay, Monty, thank you again very much for taking the time here at Tech Emergence. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>